These are the temptations that are produced by our own desires. Within all of us are areas of human weakness where we are more susceptible to sin. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 6. And we can also stand for this one. We're going to read from Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse 1 to 4. And the title of this message is 2022 Temptations and How to Beat Them. So Nehemiah chapter 6 from verse 1 to 4 is what we'll read together. And let's read now. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease, whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. All right, and you may sit down. You, can, you may take your seats. Now, when I was in Bible college, I remember whenever the semester started, uh, thinking about my coming assignments. And I, I, I lost a lot of hair because uh, I had a lot of stress while in Bible college. And uh, the, the biggest reason why was because I wasn't very good at memory verses. I wasn't good at memorizing scripture. To me, uh, memorizing scripture, memorizing one verse of scripture was practically an assignment. <laughs> so at the end of the orientation week, while all the students would have maybe about 20 assignments, um, I would have about 60. And uh, that was just because we were about to start the semester. And sometimes when I would get an assignment, I would think, does this teacher not know that I have other teachers that have other assignments too? And sometimes I would think, does this teacher not know that I am such a busy person? And I would lose hair about this, but not only that, I had my own battles as well while I was working during Bible college, and then I had the tasks that I had to get done throughout the week that I wanted to get done soon before a deadline. And then even in my personal life, I wanted to have a social life, and I was trying to juggle that. And I wanted to have a dating life, and I tried to juggle that as well. And all those things may have been making me busy, but now I realize that it was actually pretty good training for how the ministry actually ends up being. The, trying to juggle all those things were just part of the game of life. Though I was pulled from all sides, I'm also thankful that the Lord allowed me to do, go through those things. And in those battles and stresses, I was tempted to either quit or even to cheat. 
Now, in our Bible story, God gave this giant task to Nehemiah to rouse up Israel and to build up this wall as soon as possible and to try and restore Israel eventually. Not only that, he had to please the certain political leaders that were there while he was doing his work. And he had to do it without making them want to destroy him. And he had to please the Israelites while they worked as well, so that they wouldn't get discouraged and quit on him. Not only that, he had to deal with the people that were still trying to stop him and Israel. He had a stressful life. Now, this is just a side note, and perhaps something very important for every Christian to remember. Whenever you're trying to do something for the Lord, whenever God gives you a task or a job, Satan is always there to stop us Christians. If he can't stop you, he will at least try to slow you down. And if he can't slow you down, he'll at least try to put us out of place. And what we have taking place in Nehemiah's life are the different types of temptations uh, for him to quit. Now, it wasn't 2,022 temptations, but there were enough temptations either to stop or to give up or to just plainly not try. Now, as we deal with all of these temptations, I'm also going to show you how Nehemiah dealt with them at the end of it. But here we are in 2022, and we are all going to be facing temptations. This is just the beginning of 2022. So I thought it was a good idea to talk about 2022 temptations and how we can deal with them or how we can beat them. All temptations can be divided into three general categories, and we're going to learn about those. But first, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today, for everyone that is here, for having provided safety for them as they came. And I do pray, Lord, that you would be with them right now, and Holy Spirit, guide their thoughts so that this piece of Scripture, this part of Scripture that we'll be studying and the practical aspect of this message that it would be heeded to. I pray, Father, that we would all be able to leave here and be able to apply these things throughout our Christian life, throughout this whole year of 2022. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us now and uh, that you would bless us and empower me with the Holy Spirit as I speak. And I, I pray, Father, that you would just be glorified in all of it. Thank you and praise you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first type of temptation is the temptations that come from the devil. From the devil. So if you're here in Nehemiah chapter number 6, verse 4, here's what it says. Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. So what did he have to answer to? They sent unto me four times. So this is telling you that these temptations had been coming to him often, had come to him many times over, at least three times, <laughs> okay? So these are the temptations that are not necessarily the one-time temptation, but given enough time, the temptations start to pile up. These little temptations finally pile up, and then once they hit critical mass, 
so to speak, as human beings, we give in to the temptation. The devil will often try to put an evil thought in our minds, or he will try to make us misinterpret something that somebody had said once to us, or that he would have us to look at something the wrong way. The temptation may come as a thought or as a small thing, and sometimes little things can pile up and eventually they will annoy us so much that we would fall into that temptation. For Nehemiah, you can see that Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they were sending over these messengers and they were there to discourage Nehemiah all the way through of what, for what Nehemiah was doing. They were trying to tell Nehemiah to stop and come have a chat with us. Come have a meeting with us. Now you need to understand something. This meeting is not just a normal meeting. The whole thing was a plot. It was a plot by Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem to try and stop what Nehemiah was doing, to try and stop the restoration of Israel. If they could have had this meeting with Nehemiah, then that could have effectively stopped what Nehemiah was trying to do, what God was trying to do in the land of Israel. That could have effectively stopped it. Nehemiah, he was the chief of this project. So, if they could slow him down, they could cause a chain reaction. And this chain reaction was, would eventually stop the whole construction job. About a month ago, if you remember, pastor was preaching and he talked about the 10 different reasons why a fridge could have cooling issues. You remember this, right? I couldn't help but listen and start thinking, man, the different types of issues for why a computer couldn't work. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me, hey, my computer won't turn on, what do I do? I think we would be able to buy the 104 building, to be honest. But a computer, I was thinking about it, a computer has so many tiny and tiny, tiny little pieces that have to work in sequence, one after the other, after the other, after the other, in order to turn on. And if one thing is out of place, if one thing has stopped working, if one of those parts is outside of the process, the whole thing wouldn't stop working, essentially. But now, there are some things in your computer that can be out of place, and it will still look like it's working fine at first. But you keep going, and you forget about it. You may see tiny little errors come up here and there, but you forget about it. You know, you just go on about your day, go on about whatever you're doing on your computer, and eventually, if you disregard these things, if you forget about them, one day your computer will eventually stop working, and it won't turn on. Nehemiah was part of a process of rebuilding Israel, and he was as a, an essential piece, an essential piece. Sanballat and Tobiah, they recognized that, and they tried to tempt Nehemiah with small things out of place. Small things 
that were kinks in the process to get him to just leave, just a little bit. Small and tiny temptations to ruin the proper process. Now I have to ask you a question. Do you see yourself as an essential part of the process in church? Do you see yourself as an essential piece of your church? You should, because you are. And the Bible says so. Especially if you are a member of the local church, of this local church, if you would take a look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. 20 and 21. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 and 21. Now here's what it says. But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So you see here, member to member, every single piece has an important and essential role. They're part of that process. If you feel tempted to sin, even little temptations, that means you are part of the workforce of God. So these little temptations are meant to be there to pile up and eventually make you fail. And don't ignore them. Do not ignore little temptations. You being an essential part of the church, you need to deal with them. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14 and then verse number 8. It says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. An imprudent thing to do is to ignore a problem. It's the same as being careless. If you're not prudent, it's the same as being careless. Let's not deceive ourselves and think that there is no problem. To deal with these tiny temptations and annoyances, you need to start to flee. You need to start fleeing from them and bring them to God. Talk to God about them. Talk to God about these little things in your life. Because though God cares about the big things in the world, the big things in this universe, he still cares about the tiny follicles on your head. He also cares about these little problems. And I just made mention of it. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, Jesus is talking. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. If God cares about your little tiny hairs on your head, he cares about your little temptations as well. He wants to hear them from you. God could be allowing them in your life as well to chisel you and mold you into the man or lady that God wants you to be. But always remember, you still need to bring them to God. Bring them to God. And then temptations, the type of temptations, number two is from other people. 
there are temptations that come from other people, either from something they said or something they believed about you that wasn't true, or just anything else coming externally that causes you to stumble outside of what God would want you to do. Check in Nehemiah chapter 6, if you're still there. Nehemiah chapter 6, we'll keep reading from verse 5 and 6. Chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says, Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. So you can see here, they're trying to throw Nehemiah off. This is when the enemy tries to make rumors spread. This is them trying to make the wheels of the gossip, of gossip turn. You ever had a person angry at you? Ever had someone who would spread false information about you? Or had people slander you? Sometimes we may be placed in a position where we were in charge of something, and then uh, you, were, you were serving the Lord with all your heart, with much zeal. And then because of that, there was mistakes that were also made throughout, throughout the way. But then people point the finger at us, and then they would blame us for something that we had nothing to do with. There was a story that was said. A peasant had slandered a friend, only to find out later that what he had said was not true. Then troubled in his conscience, he went to a monk to seek advice. And the monk said to him, if you want to make peace with your conscience, you must fill a bag with feathers and go, every, go to every yard in the village and drop in each of them one feather. The peasant did as he was told and returning to the monk announced that he had done penance for his sin. And the monk exclaimed, not yet. Take up your bag, go the rounds again and gather up every feather that you have dropped. But the peasant exclaimed, the wind has blown them all away by this time. And the monk answered, yes. And so it is with gossip and slander. Words are easily dropped, but no matter how hard you try, you never can get them back again. It's a good story. I want you to consider two things, though. In that story, the feathers are indeed nearly impossible to gather up. You understand that the feathers are rumors, right? Makes sense? But again, the rumors are feathers, which means they barely carry any weight. Here's what I'm trying to say. Gossip may go around pretty fast, but it won't last if you're doing the right thing. Learn from what Nehemiah did. Here's what he did. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 8. He acknowledged that those were not true and made peace with it. And that's very important. Verse 8. Then I sent unto him, saying, 
there are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. And then he asked the Lord to strengthen him. So he made peace with it. Then he asked the Lord to strengthen it. In verse 9, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, and this is his prayer, O God, strengthen my hands. And then what he did was he prayed for his enemies. Look all the way down to verse 14. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. And this also is summarized in what Jesus had told the Jews back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Take a look there. Matthew chapter 5. And verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Make peace with it, ask God to strengthen you, and then pray for your enemies. And this will give you the necessary strength to finish the work God has called you to do. To do God's will. And to put up a defense against the temptations from slander and the temptations from others. So, we talked about two temptations and I'm going uh, to get to our third temptation here. The temptation from within yourself. The temptation from within yourself. These are the temptations that are produced by our own desires. Within all of us are areas of human weakness where we are more susceptible to sin. In James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The word lust is a desire that is out of control. A desire that controls you. And it leads us to fall away from God. That's what a lust is. Now, no doubt, Nehemiah, he had a great victory. He saw great victory because of the accomplishment of building the wall in just 52 days. Think about it. Uh, that's actually quite crazy. 52 days to build it around a whole city. Okay? And this was without the construction machines that we have today. 52 days. And many others heard of the work of God that also took place in Israel. So it's not impossible to think that Nehemiah wasn't tempted to think of himself at the time of this achievement, because he was human. And look here in verse 15 and 16, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 and 16, it says, So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month Elul, in fifty and two days. 
And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Now, did you notice that last phrase? For they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. This is Nehemiah guarding his heart. He reminded himself that this work was wrought of God, not himself. Always remember that in life, everything you have, everything you own, everything you will ever become, everything you ever do, is wrought by God. God is the one that allows things to happen in your life and gives you the strength to achieve great things. But never ever take the glory that belongs to God for yourself. When people see that you did a good job, it's important that they also see God. The glory of God. Not for your sake, but people need to see Christ in you. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to tell you another story. About 150 years ago, uh, the Second Great Awakening was taking place. This was like a national revival that was taking place. But it didn't only happen nationally. It took place in America. It took place in the British Isles and parts of Europe. It was almost like worldwide. The Second Great Awakening was taking place, and it was during these awakenings you saw people like Charles Spurgeon. You see people like D.L. Moody pop up. You see men like John and Charles Wesley. They were all products of the Second Awakening. And all these great men that changed the world and had done great things were from the, the Second Great Awakening. Well, in the British Isles specifically, there is a country named Wales. Does anyone know that? You don't know Wales? All right. Not the creature. Okay. So this is where the Welsh, Welsh people come from. And some of the Welshmen had sent out missionaries because of the product of the revivals. They had been revived, and they wanted to see people saved. They were doing soul winning and they had a burden for their neighbors, they had a burden for the world. They started sending out missionaries. Well, Wales wanted to send out missionaries to parts that had never been reached, reached before. So what they did was they sent out missionaries to a part in Northeast Asia, uh, Northeast India, I should say. And this area was called Assam, and there was another area right beside Assam called Nagaland. Does this sound familiar to any of you? Those places? No? Yeah? All right. Nagaland was a region in India that was condemned by the British Indian government at that time. And it was condemned because this whole place was only infested with headhunters. Tribes that would kill people either for dinner or to use as ornaments. Now Muslim missionaries had been sent over there, they got killed. 
Catholic missionaries were sent over there, they got killed too. And all kinds of different types of evangelism was tried to, use, to be used to colonize these types of people, but it didn't work. Well, one of the Welsh missionaries had gone there, and he was successful in his lifetime work. He was able to convert one of the men. And the man, he went to his family, and the family also ended up coming to Christ. And, well, the, uh, the missionary, he couldn't stay there too long. He had to leave. And more and more tribesmen started noticing this family that had gotten saved. And these tribesmen started coming, getting closer to this family. They started getting more and more acquainted with Christianity through this small family. Well, eventually, one day, the chieftain got angry. The tribesman's chief got angry. And he had a tribes meeting. The chieftain had this Christian family brought up to the front of the whole village. And the whole village was assembled there. They were watching this. And the tribe's leader demanded that this man renounce the faith in front of everyone. Or else he would face execution, him and his family. But moved by the Spirit of God, the man stood his ground and he spoke out. The first words he said was, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Outraged at what the man had just said, the chieftain asked that some of his spearmen kill the children right in front of him and the whole village. And he also demanded at the same time, renounce your faith or we will kill you, the rest of your family. To this the man replied, though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Now the chief at this point, he felt like he was getting mocked. And he felt like his authority was being diminished by this one man. So he ordered another spearman to kill his wife as well, right in front of him. And this was taking place right in front of the village too. The villagers were shocked. How would a chieftain kill his own people? in front of the whole village too. The tribesmen, they, would, they were shocked by this whole thing. And they even said that this man was foolish for having had the faith that he did to watch his whole family die in front of him and the whole village just for some foolish faith. So the chief finally demanded one last time to renounce the faith or he will get killed. And you know his last words, I think. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. So, in your hymnal, it's hymn number 10. But, did this man write that hymn? No. But the faith of this man had shaken the tribe so immensely that they began to open up to what Christianity was. The chief was so shaken up by this one man's testimony that he wanted to ask the Welsh missionaries that had talked to this man, what is this power that Jesus Christ holds, this God of yours that holds, that he holds? 
So finally, this, uh, this tribe finally reached out to those missionaries. They had witnessed to this household and that had been, uh, that had been saved. And the, the chief, he ended up getting saved. The tribe ended up getting saved. And the whole village got saved. Then from that village, they went to other villages in Nagaland. And those villages got saved. And eventually, most of Nagaland today holds the biggest concentration of Baptist per state. About 70% of them consider themselves Baptist today. And eventually, that hymn also got published. There were huge revivals that took place because of the faith of one man. Had he given up, had he taken the glory to himself, had he given up his faith then and there, you wouldn't see stories like this taking place. You wouldn't see a hymn popping up in your hymnal. Who else but God could have done such a thing? Who else but God could have brought such a change in a person? Those tribesmen only saw the awesome power of God through the faith of that household who gave their life. People should see the goodness of God through us as well. When they direct praise to you, you need to redirect it to God. They, the terms like praise the Lord or to God be the glory, those should be part of your natural outflow of your conversation. Those should be normal things for you to say. Praise the Lord. And that will guard you from the temptation of yourself. So I'm going to conclude. I'm going to conclude. In 2022, we know we'll all face temptations. And there's at least three categories to come out of for these temptations. Every day we enter the battlefield of temptation. But they are also necessary for our Christian life. These temptations are necessary for your Christian life. Because in James it says, but the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience is the gas that fuels your prayer life. Patience is the gas that fuels our prayer life. When we lose patience, we lose our courage to keep on praying. And always remember, flee from the little temptations and tell them to God. When you get tempted by others to sin, recognize the lie within it. Ask God for strength and pray for those who tempt you. And finally, when praise is directed toward you, redirect it to God to guard, to guard your heart. These are great rules of thumb to remain a healthy Christian and to keep in step in your walk with God all throughout this new year of 2022. Let's. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.